Hello and uh, welcome to, uh, what is this, uh, episode four now? I yes, sir. Episode four. My name is Sam Connington. I'm joined with Ethan Sampson. Uh, and today's topic is going to be abortion. It's uh, it's the big one. Not sure if there will be a second part to this, but here it is. Uh, just a serious, serious, serious sub- subject that I think has a lot of weight in society right now. And mm. Ethan has a fantastic verse for today. If you want to go ahead and read it. Yeah, so to start us off, this is Psalm 139, um, verse 11 to 16. Uh, the psalmist says, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when I was yet, when as yet there was none of them. So, yeah. It's a pretty objective solid verse right there mm. i think it's i really think it that it's beautiful yeah it's a, i think that's really cool that he like knew us prior mm. to us even being born like that's sick he knew everything about us before we even could really recognize that we thought for ourselves oh for sure it's cool well and even um the sovereignty of writing all of the days all of our days into his book. He knows. He he's already in control of all of it before we've even come into existence. Before he's even, you know, knit us together. He knows like what's going to happen. It's the sovereignty of God right there. <laughs> Boom. It's crazy. Um kind of to like add more substance to it. I mean obviously it's literally the word of God right there, but here's some word of man and I think He's a very great man, pretty significant to history, especially history of the church, be Tertullian. Uh, in his uh, Apologeticum, famous book, uh, he has a famous quote, or at least it's famous to me, and I think it should be famous to more people. Mm-hmm. I'll just read it verbatim here. All right, uh, this is Tertullian. Uh, in our case, murder being once for all forbidden, we may not destroy even the fetus in the womb. While as yet the human being derives blood from other parts of the body for its sustenance, to hinder a birth is merely a speedier man-killing. Nor does it matter whether you take away a life that is born or destroy one that is coming to the birth. That is a man which is going to be one. You have the fruit already in its seed. Um, this is this is a more so specifically a response to child sacrifice and even more specifically like roman infanticide which was a mm. historical if you look at like issues in the church it's like one of the first issues that christians dealt with you know following christ was like um orphans and especially infanticide like we went out there's these we're literally just tossing these babies over cliffs and putting them out to die in rubbish basically yep. and Christ, early christians are going out they're like yo let's take them in you know, take care of them, all that stuff. And then they had the theories like, oh, we're child sacrificing mm. and all this crazy crap, drinking their blood. But really we were just 
saving kids. And I think that's something we should do today. Agreed. <laughs> well, I think that really hits on some arguments that I've heard where it's like, well, you know, arguments for abortion where it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like the majority of abortions that are performed are people that are poor today yeah. in America, respectively in America. And like these people, a lot of these people also already have children. Mm-hmm. And I think just the thing that stuck out to me with what you were saying is that they were talking about Christians that are being persecuted, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they didn't think to themselves, oh, well, I'll just do nothing. Let that baby die and not have to bear the burden of like another human. Like that's so much. They, they took it on while being persecuted. Yeah. That's insane. So I think, I think maybe it's different like with Christians and maybe what we expect from others, possibly depending who you ask. But I just think that that's like a, especially in Christian circles, like that seems to me like then there's no excuse. Yeah. There's really no, there's no like black, there's no, um, obviously I think there's very few things that are black and white. And I think this is probably one of those things. It's pretty like, there's no if or buts, like, especially like as a Christian, like, there's no moderate pro-choice position. There's no moderate pro-life position. To lean either way, you have to either acknowledge that there is some humanity or deny that there's any humanity. Mm-hmm. There's no middle position, logically speaking, especially from a Christian perspective. I mean, you might as well just call yourself Abraham Lincoln then and be like, yeah, they're three-fifths a person or whatever, you know? They have yeah, some exactly. remnants of humanity, but like, let's not give it fully to them. It's basically what we're saying about babies. If you're trying to take like the center approach, like, oh, you know, technically it's a human, but also like crappy scenario. Let's just, you know, kill it then. Like that's not a logical, (laughs) not a logical, you know, frame process. Um, Actually, to kind of touch on what you were saying right there, uh, according, I have this written up, the CDC had a report in 2015 that uh, essentially, despite making up less than 13% of the American population, uh, blacks made up 36% of all abortions in the United States, which is a figure more comparable with the 63.9% of white abortions, despite the fact that white Americans make up 70% of the population. Mm. So you're seeing a portion of the population, 13%, committing just less than 0.9% of all abortions compared to while being only 13% of the population compared to a portion of the population that is literally 70%. That is like, like I know like numbers are like hard to imagine, but like that is absolutely insane. Like they're, Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about systemic racism and racial disparities, like literal objective right in front of your face, it's right there. Look yep. at it. Yep. It cannot be more clear which community is impacted more by abortions. Yeah. It's it's not it's not like these freak scenarios like, oh, the mom's gonna die unless she gets an abortion, which by the way, that also accounts for let me see. USA USA Today had a great article on that. 
that uh, I guess more specifically rape and incest, they only account for just 1% of abortions. <laughs> mm. Which 1% of, you know, all abortions are through rape and then less than 0.5% are from incest. Mm. So those two like classic like, oh, but what about rape and incest? What about rape and incest? You mean incest? You mean 1.5% of all abortions? <laughs> like, obviously, those matter. But, like, you're pro-choice because 1.5% of all abortions involve one scenario that you're morally okay with? Mm. That's just not, it's not, that doesn't seem very logical. I think it's, I feel like that's an, mm. a completely illogical argument to make. I don't know, what do you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think there there's some some work that kind of has to be done where you go, okay, there's really I, – I got this from class. Yeah. There's really two things that we're talking about. We're talking about the legality of this and the morality of this. Mm. So it is – it is like if, if you say, you know, well, it's morally r- wrong to do it and – Instead, or in only in cases of rape and incest, should that be okay? Then you should be looking at the legality and the laws yeah. that are allowing 99% of abortions <laughs> to not be that. Yeah. Because if those are the cases... N- 98.5%. Oh, yes. 98%. Yeah. Thank you. My bad. Big difference. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> it's like, come on, like, that's that's really... You know, I forget, maybe you know who said this, where they're like, abortion should be, um, like, accessible and rare, or something like That's, that. I don't know who said that. Specific, I mean, I, I, th- I think, I don't know if it's like Joe Biden. I, some prominent Democrats said that, but that's also like a general argument that at least like the prior individuals who like supported the pro-choice argument, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole thing was like i mean back to like the 60s and like even like the 90s it's like most most they wanted people to think and for the most part i think this was probably true of the time is that most people were like abortion is this moral negative Mm -hmm. but we need it for certain circumstances and even though i personally might not support murdering a child in the womb i think other people should have that opportunity because i believe in fundamentally bodily autonomy I don't think people actually think that anymore. I think people are much more straightforward. In fact, I think the most prominent advocates today of abortion are pretty upfront with the fact that they identify, yes, it's a human being, and yes, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to back ourselves up, it's Bill Clinton coined that. Ah. Safe, legal, and rare. Just like what he said. Blowjobs, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I can. I think this is at least um, understandable of a stance. If yeah, if you're gonna, um, uh-huh. but anyways, besides the besides the point. Yes, I agree. I think this. The really sad thing is people I know that I talk with about this. It's like they're like, yes, I think that it's a human being, but I think that their life isn't worth living. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously for someone else to decide, yep. right? For someone else, because bodily autonomy. 
bodily autonomy because I think that's the, the most interesting thing is if you boil it down, basically the pro-choice argument is that humans should have autonomy over their own bodies. That's the argument. Mm-hmm. But if you believe that the baby in the womb is its own person, just like uh, if you've ever listened to Steven Crowder, he's always like, oh, yeah. oh, you know, does does the woman all of a sudden have two hearts? Does she have 20, 20 fingers mm-hmm. and 20 toes? No, she doesn't. That is that is a clear biological way to say, oh, that's not me. <laughs> like, I don't know how much more you have to boil it down than that for that mm-hmm. to be clear that it's not you. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I also just want to make it clear that, like, we're trying not to come off as insensitive. And, like, this subject does yeah. need a lot of tact. Because, like, obviously, like, people that, that, like, commit abortions, like, even if it's morally wrong and it's murder, like, something bad has to happen, really, mm-hmm. to compel someone enough to make that decision. And, like, people regret their abortions a lot. Yeah. And it's, like, this is not something that's, like, done easily like i i I truly think they had good intentions a lot of people did and it's just they they felt they had no other choice yeah i think mostly because of the propaganda by big abortion corporations like planned parenthood and places like that that really incentivize this idea that and within the culture that really there's no other way you know there's no other way you can be successful as a woman without you know having an abortion it's just like we've bred a culture that's very much incentivized this idea of abortion to the point where like it really is like a sensitive subject and i think like yeah just to repeat myself like 100 percent, this is not an easy decision to make and people that are often pushed to abortions even if like that 1.5 percent like someone within that 1.5 percent could be listening to the podcast and like i would i would want to make it sternly clear you know like that's a tough decision to make. And what that person experienced, you know, yeah, was horrible. Yeah. And it's not that we don't care about women, you know, because we do. It's. Well, actually, I'll give you a little stat there, too. Uh-huh. Let's, well, stat, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, 50% of the babies that are aborted are female. You know? Love them both as yeah. Some Love them both, yeah. The mother and and this baby that that could be also a female. Yeah, but like, it's really just like what happens sucks. But I we I firmly believe in principle, you know, that this is a human being, and because it's a human being, you know, unfortunately, no conditions matter at all. Mm. There is no condition that justifies me taking the life of another human being. Yeah. The only way I could possibly justify that is if I say it's not a human being or I dehumanize it. So Yeah. While our this like I obviously I don't know if you have all the same positions as me, but like for me personally, like the positions I take that are very much come across as like, oh, Sam only cares about babies. He only cares about babies, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, I, I care very much about this situation, but like at the end of the day, I cannot get past the fact that this is a human life and that human life has value inherently. 
because they're made in the image of God. I don't know if we want to kind of move into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think add on to. Yeah the the presupposition, the thing that you come into this conversation with, Mm -hmm. and really is probably the most important thing to parse out is when do you become a person, Mm. and that's a really big question. And as Christians, I think we should really be unified in this. And this is true for really, basically, really for all things, is that Christ, well, not all things, all good things, that God is the source of those things. And so, like, you know, we're able to love because, oh, this is somewhere, somewhere in the Bible, you know, we, we can love because he first loved us. And I love that verse so much. So good. Yeah. And basically, to kind of skip around, to get where I was trying to go, we, as Christians, we really should. We should believe that we are made in the image of God, that he gave that to us without us having to do anything. Because if you start by other metrics... <clears throat> Metrics that we have like within ourselves or our capabilities, if we have brain activity or if we can be a moral creature or whatever sort of metric that you put, if you put that onto the person, you are going to encounter people that I believe fully are people mm-hmm. that aren't going to fit because they have some sort of me- mental deficiencies or um, cognitive disabilities and et cetera, where they can't get to the level that you're telling them to and maybe they don't reach that level of being a good moral creature or whatever your standard is for years after they're even born. So really I would say the only consistent view is that all humans are made in the image of God from the point of conception when there's new, you know, sperm meets egg Mm -hmm. and there's, genetically new there's new genetic material there that that is a person and that's really like the big conversation Mm -hmm. got a first podcast sneeze almost there (coughs) (laughs) covid oh no just dry i i i agree 100 percent with what you're saying there i think that's a really great point it really does just boil down to, like, is it human or not? That's at least at least in the in the case of the Christians' approach to the abortion discussion. It's like that is really the only question that matters. Is this a human being? And if so, can we justify killing it for means to benefit the? carrier of the human being otherwise known as a birthing person which is also known as a member of the female sex yeah exactly (laughs) oh my gosh my voice dude holy dude you sound great it's all good (coughs) Um, i think i think that's the thing is like in any sort of conversation or clashing Mm -hmm. conservatives should really be fighting to bring it back to the one really that main question is it a person mm-hmm. and 
then on the other side, you're going to have people that are going to say, what about this situation? What about this situation? When does the situation outweigh that person's personhood, person's personhood, or yeah. <laughs> when does this, you know, when does the mother finally have this right? Or is this emotionally enough for you to be willing to sacrifice a child to end the trauma? Yeah. That's 100%. And I mean, like, I guess for me, I I think really the only circumstance that, like, justifies maybe an abortion is, like, theoretically, let's say, like, the baby had a had a gun or something and it was pointing it at the mother's life. But, like, you know, jokes aside, like, that's not a, that's not a situation. And I guess, I mean, on a serious note, I think maybe, just maybe, and I think you might actually disagree with this, is it? It's a great okay, chance. Let's it see. Let's it's see. Good. It's ho- I hope it does. <clears throat> I think through like the logic jump ropes or what, I don't even know what I'm saying. Anyways, think about logically. I feel like the only situation where abortion could possibly be justified is in a situation where it is 100% known by doctors that the baby is going to die anyways. Yep. And... In order to say, and and if the if the like if a stillbirth occurs, the mother will die. But if you have an abortion, the mother will live. Yep. If we if we can guarantee a hundred percent that there is there is no chance that like it's going to be a stillbirth, then I feel like in that yeah. one circumstance, a hundred percent. Because like, just think about it. Like, why would you have the chance to save one life there? You can save the mother's life. Mm-hmm. Why would you not take it in that scenario? You know what oh, I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I actually learned about this in class as well. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's it, like... It actually is a thing. Okay. Um, I don't know stats on this. I don't know. Um, as far as I've been told, there's no like procedures uh-huh. to basically fertilize egg up, up in the ovaries, travels down the fallopian tubes to implant in the, the vaginal wall, and... It gets stuck in the fallopian tubes, and mm. this is like a so. It's like a, it takes it takes six it takes like seven days before implantation in the vaginal wall. Mm-hmm. So, this this is already as soon as sperm meets egg, the division of cells is beginning. So this thing is growing, like mm-hmm. this baby is growing, and it can get stuck in the tubes. Basically, it's not sustainable for the child, and if it continues. It will kill the mother. And so that seems like I I would agree there. That is that is a circumstance where it's like, well, this isn't going anywhere. If there's no procedure to move, somehow get this like the baby's fertilized egg. Yeah. yeah. If we if we can't get the baby into to implant in the vaginal wall, then you know, we don't have artificial wombs or whatever else mm-hmm. to make this happen. So you need to but you need to acknowledge that that's that's an abortion, and you still should acknowledge that like you're still taking a life yeah. in that scenario. But like, I would say that's like one of the one and only examples yep. of taking that life that's justifiable. Yeah, like it's almost like you know, like the argument. I was love bringing this up, like, and don't love bringing it up, but like suicide, mm-hmm. really bad. Theoretically. Would it be bad to kill yourself if you were about to be killed by a zombie or something like that? 
and you did that because you didn't want to turn into a zombie, you know, and you had no way to survive. Like that, that is, I feel like that's justifiable. Sure. You know what I mean? Cause you're not, you're like, I'm going to die anyways. I can prevent myself turning into a zombie. And yeah, some sort and then of, some save sort someone of good else's will life. Come out of that, you know, yeah. so it's like sort of a similar situation where it's like, obviously this isn't good what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but there's, that is the best possible option I could have. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you can really make that argument for other cases of abortion, like we're like, oh, they're going to grow up in poverty or whatever, because we actually know 100% the outcome in that in scenario. Yeah. You cannot know 100% of the outcome in the poverty scenario. In life. The domestic abuse scenario. Like yeah. in life, like you don't know. Like yeah. a little personal story for me, like I didn't learn how to talk till I was in kindergarten and I couldn't read till I was in third grade. They didn't think I would learn how to talk ever or learn to read ever. And here I am on a podcast talking about like super nerdy stuff and all this stuff. It's like, I feel like I'm living proof that like you can't 100% know the outcome of life. Yeah. I feel like almost, I know a ton of people too. Yeah. So it's like. I mean, this this will go right back to that verse, to Mm -hmm. Psalm 139. We don't write the days into our book. Mm-hmm. It's God that does that. Mm-hmm. And so we, if we think that we can judge between what life is worth keeping around and what life isn't, mm-hmm. then we're really, we're playing God. And we're, we're trying to take control of something that we, I don't think that we should control. Yeah. I mean, also I think about, What's uh, the, I'm trying to find the stat again. Uh, the 1%, you know, of women that have an abortion, according to USA Today from, I think, 20, 2015 or 2014. Actually, 2017, I think. Anyways, uh, the 1% of abortions, of all abortions that occur that are for abortion, that are, like, for rape. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talk enough about, like, and I've read about like stories of people who were conceived out of rape and the mental yeah. health effects of that debate that we're basically having about whether or not they mean anything. Like mm-hmm. that is, it's like an, an awful thing to hear. Like imagine just like listening to someone just on a podcast, like, yeah, I mean, if they were conceived in rape, like sure they're human, but like mother shouldn't have to give birth. Like their life doesn't really matter. Like, Every, hearing that every time that the mother looks at this child they're going to be reminded of the trauma that they faced that might be the case do you really think that's the case i though? don't and in fact actually i know someone who was con- gave birth to a baby out of rape mm. and they still love their baby a lot and they yeah. are super glad they didn't abort the baby but even if they were yeah and that did we got to go back to that question. Is this a human life? Yes. Doesn't freaking matter. <laughs> so as, as awful yeah, as that sure, is, and sure. I think the punishment for rape, like, I don't, I don't agree mm-hmm. with much about like Saudi Arabian Sharia law <laughs> yeah. or any of that stuff, but I'm very fond of their practice of what they do with rape rapists. Mm-hmm. They literally like cut off the testicle. That is the punishment. And they mm. 
they do all this stuff to them and they put their face around the walls of the city, all this, all this yeah. crazy stuff. Like that is something I think, I think we need to have far harsher punishments for rape. Yeah. But with that said, I don't think the punishment for rape should be, I don't think the heaviest punishment for rape should be dealt to one of the biggest victims. Exactly. Which is the person conceived from that rape. Yeah. I would even go. Like that's, that's Oh, for sure. I would even go so far to say with rape that the punishment that we're trying to give to the baby it's far should be given to the rapist. I think that I think the capital punishment of someone that commits rape that ca- that can be proven 100% that that, that makes so much more sense in fixing or not fixing but beginning the healing of that situation for the victim for the mother and for you know her coming child is to remove that person than it is to remove the baby yeah it makes way more sense why why would you punish the victim mm. and actually in this case they're punishing both victims because there's been a lot of like research done on this I can't pull it up right now but like pretty well known that like abortion even people that are like I'm going to do it and they're they're glad they did it they still have mental health side effects of committing the abortion biologically yeah it's just something that happens so you not only is it awful for the woman you also lose the life of the baby which is awful for the baby obviously oh, so it's course. like this horrible like what the rapist is like maybe in jail for like 50 years or something like that Meanwhile, they get all that punishment. The victims of the situation get all that punishment. Mm. That's horrible. And, like, obviously still, I mean, like, to experience rape and to be pushed to that snare, that's awful. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I I just want to continue to hammer through, like, that sucks. And, like, this is a serious thing that a lot of people go through, even if it's only 1% of all abortions. People that are raped consider this, you know, even if they don't go through with it. Like, this is a touchy subject. And, like, oh, yeah. I think we need to do a lot more talking and dialogue and also just like to pray about this particular issue. Because even if it does make up 1%, like that 1%, that's a, that's an awful place to be on it. Like yeah. that's a horrible place to be, to have to do that, you know, or to, to think that you have to do that. And that, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think, so, you know, if, if you're placed in that situation, it seems like, especially with the conversation we're having right now, you have two options. Mm-hmm. You give birth to this baby and you raise this baby, you know, for the next 20 years. Yeah. Or you kill the baby now. And that's really daunting. And I think that that is kind of a foolish. It's it's unwise for, for us to think that those are the only two options. Mm-hmm. Like, here's here's how a lot of my conversations have gone, though. And then I say... Well, I'm not saying that you have to raise the the child and do this because you you know you can't afford to. You should put the child up for adoption. And then someone mm-hmm. goes, "Well, the foster care system is terrible, so we shouldn't put them into that." I'm like, "I agree. We should fix the foster care system, but we shouldn't just, you know, oh well, the foster care system is going to get even worse if we let all these babies live. We should yeah. just keep killing them." It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's like, like there's so many bad things in the world. That doesn't mean that we should just, like, get rid of people so they don't have to suffer in life. Yeah, I mean, obviously, veterans have done a lot for America, right? Mm. Yeah. But, like, if you're injured in war, like, 
the VA system and our hospital system for veterans? Horrible. Just like, it's pretty bad. Why don't you just shoot them in the head on the battlefield, you know? Just so they don't, they don't have to suffer, right? Yeah. All of those trips to the VA and going through all these things and, and not great quality service. And yeah. It's why, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's sort of the idea that it comes from is like, oh, I know the outcome. I'm going to mm. prevent the negative thing from happening, playing God, but yeah. also not from a logical or just. Well, and I, I think this really comes into really. a, yeah, yeah, I think this comes into a, a kind of other conversation as well about just the value of life, not just mm -hmm. like the sanctity of life that we, you know, we should have the right to live or whatever the deal is there, but also just like life is good. Like we experience suffering, but also life is so worth it. And I have a conversation, I had a conversation with a dear friend where I said, like your life matters to me. The fact that you are here and I can talk to you like is a really good thing. And, and he was like, well, I, I don't agree. And that really, that's sad. That really struck me because he didn't feel like his life was value was valued in that. And I was like, that's just not like, bro, that's just not, not true. true. Like your life has value. And in the same way, someone that I haven't even met that's in the womb, it's like mm -hmm. your life has value. Like, if I'm ever blessed enough to, to like to, to have a child mm -hmm. with, which also means I'd be blessed enough to have a wife, which would be pretty great too. Oh, that a girlfriend would be <laughs> girlfriend for the first. Yeah, focus. hey, girlfriend would be nice, you know. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, like those things aside, like what a what an honor and blessing, and like, I think. I would hope this is kind of a universal thing that. Like being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a mom. You know, mm. I'm going to be a mom. I'm Even pro-abortion people oh, have yeah. that viewpoint. Yeah, it's such a, such a blessing and honor. It's like, well, you're like, well, I think it's a great thing to have a kid, uh -huh. but I don't want to make others do that. Oh, I don't either. But if they're already pregnant, it's like, well, I'm not trying to like make you know you're we're not no one's really trying to make you no one's saying that you have to carry a you know like yeah the kids can be born but that doesn't mean that you have to care you know, for it you know care for it and i think that you should and that's probably the right thing to do most, most possibly but if you're unable to do that that we should we should have systems in place to do that i heard a uh, this is a really interesting thing in class today um, mm -hmm. I don't remember her name, but she was, she was saying how if every church in America adopted seven babies, the foster, like the foster and adoption system, like would be fixed or like, like all the kids would be adopted or something, something along That's those lines, awesome. which is awesome. That'd be insane. And I didn't get to say this in class, so I'll say it here. Okay. It can cost you like $30,000 to get in and to adopt someone to adopt a kid but it costs you $300 to get an abortion. What what kind of system have we set up where that 
that is the deal. And I understand. Dang. That's actually a really good point. And I understand, you know, we don't want kids to be like trafficked in, et cetera, because, oh, it only costs $300 to basically own a child. And I understand that. But at the same time, like, we need to speed line and remedy some of those some of those things so that like these kids can get into homes and be loved and cared for mm-hmm. and i think that we do have opportunities they were like oh you know if every church just did that etc and i'm just like oh yeah but not every church has the heart to really care for for kids in that way mm-hmm. and to sacrifice their life to live sacrificially and be christ-like in that way and most people that go to church would never want to do that and if you told them that oh, here's your options. Adopt a kid and stay a Christian or walk away. A lot of people would walk away. I think that that's kind of the reality we face in America. Mm-hmm. And just like if uh, if at some point we, we experience persecution here, so many people are going to stop being Christians because it's too hard now. Mm-hmm. This is just what you do. You just go to church on Sunday and you think that that like saves you. Yeah. <laughs> and... It's, that's a whole other thing. It's, whole, it's just like, that's just like, a, I think abortion really kind of gives a great example of like the the destruction of kind of the monolithic general Christian, Protestant Christianity, mm-hmm. the general culture where it's like, you might be Catholic, you might be Protestant, you might be all, all over like fundamentalist, universalist, whatever, you know, just like all over the place but you all adhere to this sort of sense of Judeo-Christian value. And you're all basically like, yeah, I'm Christian. Yeah, I believe in heaven and hell. And yeah, I believe Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. That's becoming much less the case. I would argue that's, that's not, it's going to sound really bad. I would argue that's a good thing because we're getting rid of the... The wolves in sheep clothing. Basically, yeah. Like people that are, you know, the Benjamin Franklins, Thomas Jeffersons of America that are just like, oh. so they're socially Christian but yeah. religiously atheist. Yeah. Um, or deist, I guess would be better to say. Yeah, but abortion even, really shows that, that shift where it's like more and more people are like, mm. it's okay to have an abortion and, and our systems of religion are destroying themselves. Yeah. Actually, I have a great article from that. If you wanted to kind of talk about what you're going to say there, though. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna, oh gosh, I was gonna kind of touch on what you had just said about, um, I lost it. Was it like the general Christian, whatever? I like, I, I'm gonna coin it, I'm sure someone already coined it, but like the American Christian ideology. Yeah. Which is this like surface level nominal Christianity that everyone adheres to. Yeah, I like what you said. I think that it is when you said, like, people that are just socially Christian. I think that that's a very true, a very true thing here in America. Mm -hmm. And it, people are like, oh, well, you know, all these people go to church, but then, you know, it's like, you know, where's the church in all of these things? It leads us to, think that like that the church because there's so many inactive me- quote-unquote inactive members of the church like people that go to church people that don't like do anything about it that 
it makes all of the church look look bad. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see as things progress. Um it's like are is your church going to be accepted by society and the government? And at some point when the government wants to just kind of tell you what you can and can't do, will you just continue to listen to them? And are you going to be that kind of church? Or are you going to be like trusting and relying in Christ and, and like he is king over all, over all governmental authorities and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so we have to obey him and we're going to worship him. You just hit so, me on the head almost. Not to make you feel bad because I just said almost, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's. I really got he brought that up because I think we kind of want to move the conversation into is that. I mean, there kind of exists like two churches, and there really is only one true church. Mm. Which believes in the true gospel, the true Bible, the true Christ. And I think a large portion of the nominal Christianity of America, you know, like the ELCA's, the Catholics much less so the Catholics, even though I would argue they're not a, a Christian branch yeah. doctrinally. Um, ELCAs, United Methodists, um, all those large, prominent branches of Christianity in America, and especially in Minnesota and places like mm-hmm. this, consistent with our, with our what we're experiencing personally, um, they kind of represent an institutionalized Christianity that is far more concerned with changing with the tides of culture than maintaining a consistent adherence to Christianity, the ideology itself. They they look far more representative of the, the shifting tides of culture within a nominally Christian society. When you look at like from the Middle Ages to the modern era to blah, 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 how the, the general opinions towards these big doctrine questions have really shifted throughout the history of the church nominally. But when you look at the church, the church, the stances have remained pretty consistent around those doctrine issues. So it's like, I mean, ELC is a great example. Highly Arminian, highly liberal, very, very progressive. They, their statement on abortion, I read it. Uh, it's pretty much non-existent. They I basically are like, they even say it, they, they believe that uh, they let me find it directly yeah uh, mourn the loss of life that God has created the strong Christian presumption is to preserve and protect life abortion ought to be an option only of last resort therefore as a church we seek to reduce the need to turn to abortion as the answer to unintended pregnancy we also deplore the circumstances that lead a woman to consider abortion as the best option available to her we are moved particularly by the anguish of women who face unwanted pregnancies long. Uh, then they continue. We often fall short of respecting God's gift of life and in providing conditions more enough to, to bringing life and new life into the world. They're more concerned about like the situations around where abortions occur. Mm. But then they go on to essentially say, yes, this is a life, but... We are not going to out to basically say up front, well, even in those negative circumstances, like the 1.5% of abortions, 
we're not going to come out and say that that's still committing murder against a human life. Yeah. And they don't directly say it is a human life. So it's, it's institutions like the LCA Church and places that are more concerned with maintaining membership and surviving as an institution yeah. than, you know, ticking off half of the population. And I mean, I mean, the UMC, United Methodist Church, is going through that right now where you basically have two different branches in the church, one that believes homosexuality is sin, the other that believes homosexuality isn't a sin. And yeah. the conference itself generally and the bishop doesn't want to address it and wants to be all PC about everything and really just wants us to accept everyone. Yeah. Because what is church other than just a gathering point for people that generally adhere to the Christian ideology? What's the point? What is the point? You want to go put on your robe. You want to go to the church, sing a couple hymns, leave, and then get on with your life, not changing any of your worldview. Like, mm-hmm. I have fundamental respect for a lot of the people in these institutions, but at the same time, there's literally no point. Unless, like, I'm not, I'm not going to go, like, to the extreme fundamentalist point, you know. But, like, it's either all true or it's not all true. You can't pick and choose what part of the gospel, what part of the Bible you want to follow. You can't, you really can't adhere to a strict adherence to the Christian ideology and believe abortion is morally okay or homosexuality isn't a sin. Or, like, those those issues, you really can't believe those things and also adhere to the Christian ideology. And I'm honestly really tired of pretending that you logically can because you, you it's illogical. You cannot support those mm-hmm. things and also maintain a strict adherence to the Christian ideology. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. I think that's the... Um, just the crux of all of it is... I, I, I think we've this is a really core issue mm-hmm. um, that covers all of the things that you kind of mentioned. We are assuming that acceptance and love are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we assume that, or we think that if we aren't being accepting of someone, then we're not truly loving them. And I, I would posit the love of Christ is more radical than that. Mm. is a transforming love. And so... God loves you so much, he despises your sinful nature. Mm. Which should sound off to maybe people on the outside. I think it 100% should. Like, God, he hates it when you sin. Even as even as a born-again Christian, yeah, he absolutely despises and hates that portion of you. But it's because of the blood of Christ that is spilt out for you. Yeah what you deserve, which is hell and condemnation, is wiped clean. And because of that, that doesn't mean we should just walk around, you know, accepting everyone for who they are, you know? We want to be a welcoming church. You know, we're a pro-choice church here. We believe in choice for women to kill babies. Like, Mm -hmm. we believe, you know, homosexuality is probably a sin, but like, you know what? We're going to do wedding ceremonies for you. That's not love. Yeah. God despises those things equally with the sins that I commit personally as well. He despises all of those things. Yeah. And I think the mistake, even if we go a a step deeper, is that we assume that people need to feel accepted to come to church so that we can save them. That's what we think. Yeah. 
essentially. To and, get them in the pew. And, like, you forget that it's not what we do. We just need to be obedient because we are simply the means through which Christ saves his people. Mm-hmm. We are simply the instruments through he do- through which he does that. And we're pretty bad. We're pretty bad at that. And he's still, he's batting 100 right now. Okay. Perfectly sovereign. All the days are written in, in his book. And he hasn't failed to accomplish his perfect salvation. Mm-hmm. And he won't. He won't. We know, Revelation 4, 7, 4, that people from all tribes, all every nation, every tongue, will be standing before the throne of God, worshiping him together. So I'm not afraid that he's not going to accomplish his goals. What I'm afraid of is the things that we see in the Old Testament where in Deuteronomy, it's like, here's the big passage of when you're good, and here's the big passage of things that happen to you when you're bad. <laughs> and you we're know? only focusing on what happens when we're good. Yeah, while so also doing what's bad. Exactly. Exactly. We need to understand that. I think it's really, oh, when Paul's like, oh, who am I trying to please? God or man? If you're trying to please man, well, yeah, I don't want people to be mad at me because I think that things that are core to their identity or things that are super traumatic, like telling them that they, they can't, they can't commit this abortion. They should, they have to carry this baby to term telling them that, no, you cannot get quote unquote married to, you know, a man to another man or a woman to another woman because that's not marriage. That's going to make some people mad. Understandably so, I guess. Yeah, this is us saying this right now is going to make people mad. Yeah. Ex- oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so many. And so, yeah, just that that point to go back to is like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not what we do in the way we accept people. And love, the love of Christ is more than just the accepting love of the world. Mm. People, people, all kinds of people, you know, like join the LGBTQ group, that group of people, that community, because it's a place where they can go to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. They can, they can make up whatever kind of sexuality that they want to be. And that's all good. And the, I mean, just the Christian, the Christian church just isn't, isn't that way. No, it's, it's way more dynamic and multifaceted than just this general, like, I want to make you feel good and I'm just going to accept you for quote unquote who you are. I mean, KB has, (laughs) KB was talking about, um, the Christian rapper, he was talking about uh, homosexuality in the song Open Letter. And someone was going on about like, oh, the world tells me just admit that you were born this way. That's a lie. This is, that's a lie. This is lust. Mm. And in response to someone basically talking about how they have these homo- homosexual um, tendencies. And that's his rebuttal is that even though the world tells you that they were, you were born this way, I mean, we're born in sin, in a sense. So, like, 100% that could be true. But that's not love. That's lust. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of kind of just talk, going back to, like, the overarching theme where we're yeah. talking about, like, like, cancel culture from the previous episode, how God, you know, theoretically cancels people mm-hmm. in enacting his sovereign, like, 
justice over people. That is much more dynamic and faceted than the singular, oh, I'm going to cancel you because I hate you. In the same sense, um, the love of God is way more far, it's far more di- dynamic than just, I accept you for who you are. Yeah. That is garbage. I accept you for who you are. That is so garbage. Oh, no. I ex- Ethan, yeah, exactly. I, l- I love you, but there's things that I hate about you because I love you so much. And, and I, you would probably say yeah. the same to me because you care so much. There's these like negative features of us. Mm. Just like your mom probably says, you're just like, oh, I'm not disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, just you know, I love you, but I don't love those things. Yeah. Like that's, that is, that's God's love too. Mm. To an even crazier level. So it's like. Well, because he, he doesn't just do that from the outside. Uh-huh. He sends a spirit. He takes up residence within you. And he starts flipping tables. He starts going to work. He <laughs> sanctifies you. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. And I think really it's that we have so many people saying they're Christian that haven't experienced that kind of sanct- sanctifying, that kind of um, saving love from him. And I, I remember, I remember being like that. So I, I understand. I remember saying that I was a Christian and not understanding any of that at all because no one had ever actually preached the gospel to me and told me that that was what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just being, I guess, really just to go to maybe kind of go back, go back on, go back a bit here is that like, I also remember like, and still, still remember today and yesterday and all the other days being in sin. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, what's maybe more expressly important in my mind is, is dealing with and struggling with sexual immorality because, there's an assumption that I don't understand what it's like to to be homosexual or to have mm. desires for things that are wrong or judged by society. Mm-hmm. But I I do experience that. I struggle with lust and I struggle with pornography. Mm. And those things are, at least in some sense, very similar to homosexuality. Yeah, And I... I cannot fathom being in a situation where I feel like I have to commit murder to to an innocent person because of my circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is very very difficult. But I think the great thing is that I'm not given that option in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't have the option to commit that commit that murder it is figuring out all the other things after like there's so many other things to figure out yeah with a situation like that but that first one it's like why are you stressed about that because that there's not an option there for that that's yeah i think like for sure. Like, I mean, also, it's. I see we're two men talking about this. 
some people probably stopped listening a long time ago because of that. But I mean, you have other reasons to not listen. I think they're probably a lot more valid than that. But yeah, <laughs> but like you don't need to be of a specific gender or whatnot to deal with logic and facts and all of these things and theology. It's like, obviously, and this is actually, I want to, I want to bring up this topic in a later thing. Yeah. So actually kind of just a quick overview of our layout, like what we kind of plan, like kind of in our early stages, it's just me and Ethan, but like down the road, like that'd be, what if we got like professors on here? That'd be so cool. Insane. Our friends, people that like we have beef with or something, we get like a little like roast session or something. I don't know. Nothing dumb like that. But <laughs> like having the the perspective of like a pro-life female in a pro-choice female, like those are really powerful perspectives because they personally experience that. But also men experience fatherhood and these other really mm-hmm. significant aspects and them being a male does not discount their opinions yeah. whatsoever from that. In fact, to say so is I think a very much a logical cop-out. Yeah, especially if the woman that's telling me that I have nothing to say on that is like a young lady that's never been pregnant. Yeah. It's like you're in the same boat. Well, yes, you have a possibility of that happening to you, but right now we're both in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Neither of us have experienced that. And so you can't tell me that because I'm a man, I don't have the set experience to be able to say that you're just trying to silence me because probably some other preconceived things about me being a man and oppressor and whatever else comes into play with that yeah and i mean i think in a sense the female voice definitely probably has in certain circumstances more value oh i can see that but that doesn't mean it's value inherent to whether or not what's occurring is right or wrong if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense like it's value in that the perspective is very significant and the say that they have is very significant but at the end of the day, with any sort of topic, no one person has the monopoly on whether or not they're correct based purely on their identity. Identity. That's why identity politics, another podcast episode, yeah. is garbage. Absolutely garbage. Because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, there's there's some value in ident- in being a part of that. There's a value in like, you know, being black and having an opinion on racial issues, 100%. But that doesn't mean your opinion necessarily matters more than someone who's white. Yeah. In the in the battlefield of ideas, the only thing that really matters are your ideas. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. To kind of like start closing things off, it's like, sure, we're two white males... Um, both single men, Ew. Ew. Uh, not clearly have not experienced fatherhood, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, no, nah, bro, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Like, even though we have those things that, you know, quote unquote, disqualify us from having an opinion, what I want to be judged on is the idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I, sh- I fervently believe that, you know, abortion is this incredible issue of our lifetime even you talk about that all the time oh yeah how important it is we're gonna keep talking about it it's not gonna go it's away. not it's not going away i'm never gonna stop talking about it either mm-hmm. and it's such an issue so fundamental to christians right now because if you 
believe in the ideology of Christianity, not this culture of Christianity, but Christianity itself, this belief system of Christianity. Mm-hmm. If you believe in all of that, then the destruction of life, you know, as Tertullian talked about it, kind of to go back to the beginning, yeah, to destroy even the fetus in the womb, like that's murder. And that's something that we should be really concerned about as Christians. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, like, we should hate people who have abortions. Or we should hate people who commit abortions. Or people who sin. Or people who support abortion. Because that's not a Christian response either. No. But at the end of the day, this is an issue and it's something we need to fight. Yeah. It is. It is our belief that it, this is the protecting of the innocent, mm-hmm. the most innocent among us. Yeah. And uh, let me give this last last thought, and I think we can probably close it off if you have nothing else. I have one last thing to say about that. Yeah. Okay. Just to know that, just like with Revelation, that we're going to see, that we're going to see all these people worshiping with God. We also know from the scripture that Christ is reigning now and that he is putting um he's putting all evil under his feet the last of this being death mm-hmm. that's a paraphrase but but that abortion like all other sin is going to be cut, be put under his feet and he is he is sovereign and and has decreed a time to do that and so we're going to be obedient we're going to fight against this injustice because that's who our God is mm-hmm. and he's going to use us as a means to end this. This will end like we know that it will end. Mm-hmm. And so I have no worries about that. Um, but we have to, in a sense, be prophets to be like, don't you guys see, look around you. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is dumb. This, this is going to, you're going to, we're going to experience bad things for doing this as a, as a um, nation, which I'm sure has all kinds of other conversations yeah. attached to that. And, Romans one and et cetera. But mm-hmm. if you want to do your last thought and then we can close it out. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is not as important as like the Christian fundamentals of it, but kind of specifically a nation. It's like, like ideologically like libertarianism, like there's an NAP, which is the non-aggression principle of government, which is like basically government go away. Don't affect me if I don't affect other people. Yeah. I think like even non-Christians, it's like, if you scientifically believe a, a child in the womb, a fetus, is a human being, then you should believe that the government, as governments are not just instituted by God, but just as a society, we functionally believe governments should, you know, what the NAP says, protect life, property, mm. etc., and the individual. Is not abortion one of those most fundamental things being attacked right now? Like, I think there's absolutely an argument, even from the secular side, that scientifically it is a baby. Therefore, the government oh, for sure. should prevent the murder of this child. So I, I think I would pose that question to even people that are, like, to, like not Christian or they're not super Christian. or Maybe they recognize that they, they're within that group of people we just talked about who were, you know, not adhering to the ideology of Christianity, but maybe they were just nominally Christian. Maybe you are nominally Christian. But I, w- I want you to think about, like, the fact that, like, 
if this is a human life, then government's role in it, even a secular, like Lockean sense, should be to protect life, you know? Mm. So, yeah. I think that's what I, that's what I'm, that's my closing thoughts. I kind of put it back to you for a second time here. Oh, man. Well, no, I, I agree. I think that that's the only way to be truly, to be truly consistent and to, mm-hmm. to, to truly be caring is really to go against, to go against the society and say that, no, this is wrong. This is murder. And, and to do something about it because I think that the critique is, is true that we can't just say that something is murder and do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And so a call to the Christians. Call to the Christians. A call to the Christians to to adopt and to become a foster home and to do all of these small but mighty things for the kingdom. Mm. Um, because, I mean, people that I know that adopt and that are foster homes just the most amazing people and that's ministry mm. um most important ministries in the home yeah exactly yeah well i think it's definitely one of the longest episodes but i think it definitely deserves that and i think mm. could go on for like hours oh, more oh easily this is at a surface level i think we definitely you know gave at least some amount of justice to the topic i think obviously like as always if if you disagree and you're listening to this and you want to like punch the wall, let's talk. I think we would love to have this conversation, be it after class, you know, in the dorms or whatever, through social media, whatever. And maybe we could have people that think differently about these issues on the show. That'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, take to heart what Ethan just said there about Christians taking action. I think that's really important. Yeah. And that's it for episode four of Anti-Folly. Thanks for watching slash listening.